travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. There are few better ways to see a country than by motorcycle. Wind in your face, sharing hellos with people as you pass, stopping when you feel like it, and having the ability to take small trails, an iron horse is perhaps the ultimate way to travel. Today we'll learn about motorcycling in Vietnam from longtime rider and tour leader Hawk Moon. Strap on your helmet and get ready for an adventurous episode. From Bangkok, Thailand, I'm Scott Coates, and who's with me? Hey, Scott. Trevor Range is uh, just back in Phnom Penh again. Uh, yeah, this is a great episode. You know, uh, you ride motorcycles quite often. I own a motorcycle and like to explore on it here in Cambodia. And uh, over there in Vietnam, we know that there's lots of good riding. Uh, we just need to to have someone on to to share some some knowledge to get us excited to to visit. Have you motorbiked much in Vietnam before? You know. I don't think I have actually driven a motorcycle myself in Vietnam at all. I've done Vespa tours with our friend Steve, Vespa Adventures, but I don't think I've actually ever driven a motorbike myself. Although my wife and I were scheduled to rent a 250 and drive for a week in the far north along the Chinese border in Hatsiang area, Uh, that would have been in April 2020. But we all know what happened to the world then, so didn't happen but we bought motorcycle jackets for it and uh, pants and stuff so yeah i hear they have three thousand meter high mountains up there spectacular looking geography in the far north and i know that that's a country that's just overall in the mid region and all that just has tons of mountains so yeah i i'm dying to ride a motorbike for a while over there yeah you know most of my experience all my experience in, in vietnam has either been in a city on the beaches or islands or on the Mekong in the Mekong Delta. So nice. like I've only occasionally seen mountains in the distance whenever I've been in Vietnam okay. and I've explored a bit on like a, you know, hundred CC scooter, um, which, which can be fun. Um, but again, like in Vietnam, like their motorcycles outnumber cars, you know, especially in the cities. And, and for people who have been to Vietnam, you know how crazy the traffic is and, uh, and how like insane it would be to, to attempt driving a motorcycle, let alone a little scooter, um, in some of this crazy traffic. But, uh, I know Vietnam is a big country. I bet the back roads up in those mountains are spectacular. Um, so there's probably a lot of good sealed riding, maybe some good dirt riding. Uh, I really don't know. It's that's beyond my experience out there. Indeed, it is a bit of an unknown. So you're listening right now. You're obviously interested in hearing about motorbiking in Vietnam, but help us keep these episodes going. We want you to go to patreon.com, search Talk Travel Asia, or click donate on our webpage. Start sponsoring the show from as little as a dollar up per month. And for that, you will have a great feeling in your heart, knowing you're helping us keep talking about travel happening. But we also send all those people, these patrons, something special in between these episodes, a little short episode, a video or something like that. So thanks in advance for becoming a patron. 
Yeah, please do. We appreciate anyone who donates by giving special patron-only episodes in between the episodes that we release them to everybody else and, and they've become quite fun and, and it's a good way for scott and i to to chat a bit about what what's going on in the region and, and with our lives and uh and we'd like to share that stuff with our patrons so thanks for donating and uh scott why don't you go ahead and bring our guest in from a young age it was clear that riding motorcycles in the english countryside would not be enough for hawk moon who soon started to explore the rest of the world regularly on two-wheeled trips in 2011, he made his first trip to Vietnam and through a chance meeting with a biker expat, found Westerners running motorcycle tours there. Hawk rushed home, cleared out his house and came straight back. He's been running tours in Vietnam ever since. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, Hawk Moon. Where are you joining us from today? Hi, yeah, I'm in uh, Hoi An, Vietnam, which is uh, where I live for the last 10 years. Okay, cool. And we can call you Hawk or Hawk Moon? Either Hawk of those is okay? fine. Easier for most people. Okay, cool. Hey, Hawk. So we know about your first experience there in Vietnam a little bit from our intro, but was that your first time to Asia? What first brought you to Asia and where are you originally from? Uh, so I'm from the north of England, uh, Hull City. I guess that was not my first trip to Asia. Um, I've been to several places before, but uh, first time in Vietnam was uh, 2011. I just like travel. I like riding motorbikes in different countries, and Vietnam was next. On your website bio, you say that because you were brought up by crazy yeah. biker parents who gave you the name Hawk Moon, you weren't surprised that you grew up to be a motorcycle tour guide yourself in Southeast Asia. So can you tell us about your earliest experiences on motorbikes? Yeah, I mean, mom and dad are legit bikers uh like think easy rider leather jackets with tassels choppers ah. riding around in you know Sweet. big groups etc so from a young age i was around that around bikers and going to bike rallies and hanging out with bikers um and so yeah rather than rebelling i ended up being a biker so yeah my earliest memories are just basically you know hanging out with bikers and being a big festivals full of bikers and okay so maybe like after that like between being on, on the back of a, a motorcycle or maybe in a sidecar every once in a while as a child and uh ending up in vietnam where else did you travel to to <laughs> ride around and, and what made vietnam like more special than the other places you've been uh interesting um difficult to answer i uh i mean i rode around i guess the place before vietnam was india i did a lot of riding around india um, so crazy as hell and amazing. I've ridden in Morocco, in Turkey, uh, Thailand, many places. I, I when I first came to Vietnam and I had a great adventure for a month, uh, I didn't think it was more special than anywhere else uh, at the time. But I saw an opportunity to uh, do what I loved doing as a job. So that's why I settled in Vietnam. Uh, I was actually planning to ride through Vietnam and then sort of make my way across back to India and work in India. I hoped to work in India, but uh, when I was in Vietnam, I heard about people who were not Vietnamese running motorbike tours and thought, wow, I could do that. Well, actually, someone suggested it to me. So it was a sort of opportunity. You know, I could see the appeal in wanting to do it as a profession. Um, but from the other side, like, is it really like a great experience for visitors to come and do it on a tour or would you almost recommend people try and do it on their own is a better experience? 
So that that that's interesting. It, I mean, I've done many tours all over the place on my own, and invariably you don't you, you get a different experience. You get that crazy adventure where you're pretty much lost all the time. You can't speak the language and. You end up eating weird things that you didn't know yeah. what they were, and the, the sort of crazy adventurer gets a buzz out of that. But if you actually want to see Vietnam and see the best bits and the most interesting stuff, then obviously having a tour guide is a much better option. And for most people, they're not so comfortable being on their own, lost, broken down at the side of a road, not communicating with anyone. Um, you know, so it's sort of you know I, I've done a lot of it, and I do love going off adventuring but having become a tour guide i totally see that i can show people stuff they would never find on their own and i can make sure they get back to base in time to have a cold uh, you know have dinner and a beer so massive benefits if you can go on a tour really cool well i've done on-road riding off-road riding so i'm wondering when you're in vietnam riding can you do it on a like a scooter, like on a little 110, or do you need to be on a 250, or does it have to be a bigger bike? Like, what's the bike of choice for Hawk? Okay, well, bike of choice for me is the Royal Enfield Himalayan, and that's what our company used for tours throughout the country. Um, but you can go absolutely everywhere in Vietnam that you want to go on any sort of scooter. Really, you know, we, we often end up... Uh, you know, you ride up some dirt track over a mountain, you're in the jungle and you think, oh, that was a hell of a ride. Uh, we're great riders. And then some grandma, you know, pulls up the hill on a Honda Cub uh, loaded up with uh, <laughs> wood or whatever. And, and you think, oh, geez, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> so um, typically, if you're a, you know, novice rider, you shouldn't be on a bigger bike. But if you want to, you know, really get about, Having a bit of power and a bit of handling is quite nice. Uh, I, I wouldn't go around on a scooter, but you certainly can. There's nothing to stop you going anywhere on a scooter. But yeah, for tours, we choose the Royal Enfield Himalayan at the moment. But over the 10 years, I've done tours using uh, all sorts of different bikes and always had fun and never had a problem. Uh, the first tours I was part of, Back 10 years ago, we were using the uh, two-stroke Russian Minsk 125s. Oh, wow. Which are incredibly good fun. <laughs> hey, since you managed, since you mentioned uh, the grandma catching up with you on some, some big hill, kind of segues into the next thing I wanted to know about. Whether, like, if everything is sort of accessible, does that mean it's, it's better for, for beginner and intermediate riders or people who just want to ride on, like, beautiful roads through great scenery? Or is there also, like, a variety for more, like, expert or experienced riders that they'll enjoy, too? I mean, Vietnam really has everything. What I would preface that is you should know how to ride a motorbike before you get here. Obviously, like all Asian countries, a lot of people don't follow that rule. Thousands of people all over the place jumping on motorbikes that don't already know how to ride or don't have a license. That's not a smart course of action because traffic in any Asian country is pretty bad and healthcare equally bad. So I don't want to, if anyone's listening and they're thinking, oh, I'll go to Vietnam and jump on a bike, you you do need to think twice about that if you're not proficient. But if you are a rider, you know how to handle a bike. There are easy routes, difficult routes, road-based, off-road. Uh, obviously, you've got super busy, crazy traffic in the cities, uh, which you're probably going to have to start in wherever you want to get to. Super quiet areas out in the mountains where you might not see anyone for two hours. 
Uh, and like I say, good quality roads, bad quality roads, good weather conditions, terrible weather conditions, and dirt tracks, everything. Vietnam really had, can provide everything. And because of the small size of the country with the high amount of roads, basically, you can choose what sort of day you have, no matter where you're going to. If you pick a start point and an end point that are about a you know, day's ride, you can normally choose to add off-road sections or not add off-road sections and you can go the quick way or go the long way and you know uh, if you've got a decent tour guide that knows the area you can pretty much adapt to the rider's level of experience and speed that they go at and things like that for most most of the country interesting so you did mention your your himalayan and the old minsk and stuff but yeah. let's say someone's heading over for you know a few weeks or a month I mean, does it make any kind of sense to potentially buy a bike and sell it, or should they just be renting one? And then what would you say are some of the most kind of winning types of models available commonly? Yeah, does it, if someone's coming for a, a month, probably the best option for a month would be to buy one and then sell it. The problem is quality of bike. If you, you, know, you find a decent rental company, you're going to get a much better bike because you know, when it breaks down, it's on them and they're going to be coming to pick you up. So they tend to look after them better if they're renting them out. It's not super expensive to hire sort of small engine bikes here or scooters. Um, I, I would give you an idea, but since we've had two years of zero tourism, it's difficult to know what prices will look like from now. But you used to be able to get, you know, a, a sort of decent-ish scooter for probably $10 a day US and a small okay. engine sort of motorbike for maybe twenty twenty five dollars a day so that's stupid and bigger bikes you know you pay more for depending on the on the bike but um if you could find a good quality bike and buy it and potentially keep it in good quality sell it again at the end would be financially for a month trip a better option i would imagine um, but for shorter options i think uh, tours or rental are pretty good options two weeks or something like that. Okay. So now, you know, Scott's in Thailand. I'm here in Cambodia and uh, Cambodia is much yeah. better for off-road motorcycling than, than riding around on sealed roads. Whereas Thailand has some spectacular like Northern roads yeah. like Chiang Rai that are just like sealed roads that are beautiful as well. So does Vietnam kind of have both yep. available? Like if someone wanted to come and do like a, a pretty much all dirt bike trip, that's there too. Yeah. Not, not anymore, really, if you want to actually see Vietnam. So you, you've got to distinguish between the guy that just wants to ride off-road and doesn't care about seeing Vietnam. Great, you can stay in an area where there's a lot of off-road and you can go out and do a different small section of off-road every day from the same area. But if you're most, you know, 90% of tourists more want to actually see Vietnam on a motorbike. So they want to go from Hanoi to Saigon, or they want to see around the Ha Giang Loop, or they want to see Phong Nha, Kabang, and Hoi An, and Da Nang, and Hue. So for most people, they're going to spend the majority of the time on sealed roads with some dirt sections thrown in if they're uh, able to. Like I say, unless you're that guy that just wants to ride some dirt and isn't bothered about, you know, how much in Vietnam they see. Potentially someone who's been here several times and on the next visit says, well, I've already seen everything. I, I just want to ride dirt. Or maybe you do the sealed roads in Vietnam. You come to Cambodia and get your dirt in, and then you go to Thailand and ride a bicycle around them. Yeah, that's not a bad trip yeah. either. I mean, we can 
go out and find enough dirt to fill a day in any area. But typically, you're going to be in a forest up a logging track to get mm. the best off-road riding. And typically, they don't mm. lead anywhere. You're just playing around in the forest. Right. <laughs> but there are, there are enough dirt tracks that pretty much every day of riding, you can add some off-road somewhere, you know. But you're not going to you know, be traveling from Hanoi to Saigon off-road. When you're riding your Himalayan or, or doing kind of your typical trip, are you riding slick type road tires or are you riding semi knobby tires or what's the best? Yeah, I, I ride, uh, you know, 50-50s, you'd call them. They've got a decent amount of tread. Um, they're not too knobbly. Uh, the ones uh, we've got at the moment, uh, well, the Himalayan comes with the Pirelli MT, so if anyone knows their tires, the MT, and it's like a... 50-50 tire and we've found a uh, there's a Vietnam manufacturer and in fact a Thai manufacturer that are making exact copies of that tread that fit our bikes as well so we're getting effectively um, Pirelli MTs but um, copies Vietnam is a, a huge country um, but maybe you could share a few of your favorite rides in Vietnam maybe starting in the north and okay, then, uh, working your way down to give a few there's just so many roads uh, I'm going to actually uh, mention the Harzang Loop, which has become over the last few years uh, a sort of hashtag that's super popular with uh, tourists and people are cutting on to this area of Harzang, which until sort of five years ago, most people hadn't heard of, but it's the most northerly province in Vietnam and it's just got giant karst mountains and the roads, rather than follow the valleys in between, actually a lot of the time go over the Karst Mountains. Nice. So it's, it's like riding a concrete roller coaster is the best way to describe it with wow. uh, sheer drops on either side. And some of the particular individual roads up there, I could you know list off loads of them, but effectively if you're up in Harzang in the top area, any road you go on is going to be breathtaking and mind-blowing. Uh, and it's super popular with tourists now and, and it's got, you know, plenty of homestays and hotels and coffee shops and amenities these days that people can uh, take advantage of. Particularly, there's one particular is Ma Pileng Pass, which is the sort of uh, eastern side of that loop. I don't know, on a north-south on the eastern side of the loop is the best way to describe it up in Arzang. But if you're up in Arzang, you're going to see breathtaking scenery and amazing roads, no matter pretty much which direction you go in. Another road that's like, you know, one of the best rides in the world, I would say, would be the road from Khe San to Phong Nha, which is now central Vietnam. And on the sort of the western side of the country, running north-south, Khe San, just below, I guess, uh, the DMZ, for those people that are familiar with when they split Vietnam. And Phong Nha, I guess, just above the DMZ. And the Ho Chi Minh Road that is at that point known as the Ho Chi Minh West, running between Khe San and Phong Nha, is uh, a full day of incredible uh, mountain scenery, um, jungle views, uh, hill tribe villages, uh, and really super remote and uh, beautiful. There's the Canlay Pass, which runs from Nha Trang up to Dalat, which is sort of south central Vietnam. Nha Trang's on the coast, actually beach, and then Dalat is... Uh, I'm not sure if it's 1,200, 1,500 meters up the mountain. And the uh, Canlay Pass just runs straight up uh, up that 
mountain. Beautiful, high-quality road. It was redone some years ago, but not a lot of traffic on it, so it's in good condition. And there's some waterfalls on the way up that you can stop and swim at, and uh, just incredible, uh, incredible ride. I can sort of, like, find amazing roads anywhere in Vietnam, uh, apart from maybe for right down south in the Mekong Delta where it gets very flat. Really, as soon as you leave the coast, you're going to find twisty mountain roads. And then if you're on more coastal areas, you've got beautiful, like, small villages, rice paddies, you know, all the sort of small river crossings and things that people love. Um, I, I actually didn't, didn't mention that. I should mention uh, there's a mountain in Da Nang, uh, Songtra Mountain. It's, um, it sort of uh, sticks out like a peninsula uh, beside Da Nang. And there's a good... 30, 40 kilometers of road going over that mountain, and it's a national park, uh, nature reserve. And you can, it, it's literally 10, 15 minutes from where I live. And I, I could have been over that a hundred times already and still not bored. It's one of the most amazing rides uh, in Vietnam, and it's right in Da Nang. So if you're in Da Nang or Hoi An, it's right there. Most people don't go over it when they're here because most people. Don't really think to, I guess. They go uh, over to Haivan Pass instead, which is um, much more famous. And Haivan Pass is good, but it's it's maybe not as good as uh, what they could be doing. That sounds great. Um, you've mentioned a couple areas I'm really keen on, and particularly the north, which you said is getting better known. It it looks like you know Hatsiang is you know 250, maybe even 300 kilometers north of of Hanoi, and we know you offer tours, and yeah. we'll get into a bit more about what you do. But if someone heads up there, like, do you have to get a quality larger bike in Hanoi and drive it all the way up, or can you get a good one in the far throws of the north? Yeah, many options. Um... Obviously, if you want to drive out of Hanoi, you're going to be a day getting to Harzang. You're going to be a day getting back. So that's sort of, you know, you've got to plan that into your route. And that day getting out and back isn't the best bit okay. of riding. So there are companies in um, in Harzang, or certainly there were before COVID happened, companies up there renting bikes to people. We can talk maybe about vending bikes because the the standards and you know legalities of it vary, but there's some good companies that do it properly and you know you can sort of rely on. But uh, a lot of people will get up there by you know bus or whatever, and then rent a bike up there. Okay. But you know we we, we were doing a, if we were doing a tour of Harzang, we would make it not just Harzang. We would go around many other areas and make it a longer tour because you don't really want to do. You know, a five-day tour where two days are getting in and out of the area and not that exciting. That's not the best way to right. do it. But if you can make it like a longer route where every day is great, then uh, include Harzang in that. That's sort of a better way to do it. Okay. So that's actually a good uh, question to lead us into the next thing, too, because I was going to ask, uh, like, what are some things that people should consider before planning their trip, uh, like the length of time or, or, or the weather or other other things that visitors should know before setting out on a bike adventure in Vietnam? Yeah. I mean, um, let's just mention the weather, first of all, because... Um, Vietnam's tropical. Bizarrely, uh, someone would have to explain it with geography, but we have three completely different weather patterns, north, central, and south Vietnam. So um, if you Google, you know, best time to visit Vietnam, it might say the rainy season is in May. It might be referring to north Vietnam, whereas if it was central Vietnam, it would say the rainy season is in October, November. And that time's really great up north. 
And then in Saigon, you've got rainy season, I think June, July, I might be getting that wrong, when in the center, it's really good. So you, you've got to be careful of sort of just thinking, oh, well, you know, I'll ride the north, the middle, and the south, because a lot of times a year, you'd be better to avoid one or the other of them. And when you do get a wet season, say in Zhang, it can be terrible. There can be huge landslides and torrential downpours and you know, wet season in the center, you can get flooding and uh, Saigon as well, you can get flooding. So, so weather-wise, the weather's normally beautiful. Like, you know, most of the year we get great weather for riding, but there is a wet season that's different in north, different in south, different in central. Uh, and on top of that, a lot of people from, say, European countries can be absolutely destroyed by the humidity and heat of Southeast Asia if they're here in, like, you know, August or whatever. You know, it sort of spoils their ride that way. But moving on from weather, one of the things to consider is like, you know, how much riding you plan to do and, you know, where can you realistically get in your time? You know, people are going to come on a two-week visa or they're possibly going to come on a one-month visa, maybe only a one-week visa, and they're going to typically try and do too much. And if they try and do too much, they're going to end up on the big highways in order to make it possible to see as much as they want. You know, we just, you could take a short ride, like, say you want to go from, I don't know, Hue to Hoi An, and it's, you can do that in half a day on the highway, but you can also take two or three days and go a longer way through the mountain, and it's uh, much more beautiful and more fun. So, uh, real planning-wise, I mean, if you can afford to and want to do a tour, that's, you know, you're going to get all that done for you, but if you're on your own, you know, you need to jump on some forums and get some advice, and don't try and you know, see everything in your trip. Oh, those are two really good tips is not try and do too much in the heat. The converse bit about the heat, though, is up in northern Vietnam or in Hatsiang, it can get bloody cold too up there, right? Exactly, yeah. If you're there in January, start of February, you know, it's bitter. It's really bitter. And so, you're, you know, you're in a tropical country. You're probably going to spend half your holiday you know, down on a beach somewhere, but your motorbike trip part of it, you need all your winter clothes and heated gloves and everything. So it's uh, it can be really, really cold up there. Um, I've had several times when I've gone on tour in the north in the wrong season. Uh, even one time in Sapa, I, I remember it was the start of April, and I was uh, wearing two T-shirts, a jumper, and my motorbike jacket. Four or five days later, I'm riding through central Vietnam and I'm wearing sunscreen and, and my, you know, all my kits packed up in the bag. So you mentioned the the motorcycle jacket. Uh, I'm always an advocate of people always wearing closed-toed shoes because a lot of the oh, motorbike yeah. rental riding that people do here is on scooters, which is really dangerous. But otherwise, uh, can you recommend like uh, any good safety equipment that people might want to be sure to bring? Or can most things like a good helmet um, be procured there? I've been brought up as a biker. I, I can't imagine riding a motorbike without a good helmet, gloves, and closed shoes. I've adapted to be able to ride in shorts and a t-shirt, but I have to have closed shoes, gloves, and a good helmet. Otherwise, I'm like totally uncomfortable. The gloves and the, and the shoes, you should definitely bring clothes for that. In terms of helmets, it is possible to buy decent quality helmets in Vietnam these days. So it wasn't you know, years ago, but um, if you're in Hanoi, Da Nang, or Saigon, which is the three places you're most likely to start your trip in, you can find good helmets. 
you can unfortunately find seriously bad helmets. You can find fake helmets. You can, you know, you could have a hard job. So if you've got a helmet, bring it. You're going to be more comfortable in your own helmet and you know it's legit. You know it's never been dropped. When I fly anywhere in the world, I've got a helmet as my, uh, you know, luggage. I, I carry it on the plane with my uh, with nice. my book and my iPad or Never whatever. Never knowing it could come in handy. I, uh, I I just wouldn't want to use other helmets, even if like I know they're good. Someone else has had their head in it, maybe. Mm. But if you yeah. do your research, there's some shops in Saigon, Da Nang, and Hanoi. You can actually buy, you know, a decent helmet. But it's like I say, getting the right one. If you rent a bike, I guarantee the helmets. It's not smart, you know. You don't use a rental helmet, even if it's a legit helmet with DOT or EC two two oh five on the back of it. How many times has it been dropped? How many times is it? You know, how old is it? You don't know. So, you know, there is there is not many many rental companies giving out anything that I would class as a safe helmet anyway. So, you sort of if you're a proper biker, you you know. You're probably familiar with with uh, what you want on your head, and if you can bring your own, great. If not, try and buy one. They're not super expensive. I think um, something like an Open Face LS2, you'd be paying fifty, sixty dollars for a legit one. So it's not too much, and of course, you can take that home with you as well at the end. If you're doing a tour, tour companies are typically better for helmets if they're decent companies. Our company certainly wouldn't give anyone a helmet that's even been dropped. We um, Someone's on tour with us and they drop their helmet, we make them buy it. We don't want to use that again. Clothing-wise, I mean, there are a few, again, there's, if you're in the main cities, you can buy jackets. Some companies will rent you a jacket. I, uh, I always wear a jacket, but then I'm on a bike a lot in a very dangerous country, so I think I'm a, you know, eventually I'm going to need it. But a lot of tourists don't wear jackets just because of the heat. You know, if they're not used to the heat... Uh, wearing a jacket can really become uncomfortable for them. But obviously it's your choice about safety, right? Um, I don't know um, you know, how many people are comfortable, you know, losing their skin when they fall off. But, um, you know, it's all up to you what you bring, really. But clothes, shoes, gloves, helmet, they're my minimum. i tell you a really good tip is either have some sunglasses on or a visor on your helmet. That's a super important because almost anywhere in Asia – as soon as it gets to about four o'clock, the air is just full of bugs, and you tend to get them in the eye and eat them if you're not yeah. co- covered your eyes. So, Hawk, you've been in awful lot of interesting places, not only in Vietnam but countries around the world. So, I'm wondering, you've been there a long time now. What is it that you really love about Vietnam? In terms of the, you know, the country, you've got a massive variety of. You got the beaches, you've got the countryside, you've got the mountains with the jungle. Not just for motorbiking, but just scenery-wise, you have a good variety. Great climate, I mean, uh, and that. But I, I think the real key in Vietnam is the sort of culture. The people are super friendly. Uh, even they're just fun. Great food, good variety of food. Yeah, everything's just right for me. I'm not going to say it's the best country in the world, but for me, it's just a perfect fit. I could imagine living a couple of other places, uh, but um, I found Vietnam, and it, it works so far for me. Uh, obviously, I'm married to a Vietnamese as well, so works for her pretty okay. well, too. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you tell us a bit more about Anya Bike and the trips that you offer? Because, like, I'm a big right. adventurer as well. But, uh, you know, I'm even thinking about coming to see you for my New Year in a couple of weeks and uh, going on a trip. So what do you have to offer there? 
I've been here for 10 years and I started off working for one motorbike company out of Hoi An and I did a bit of work for another company out of Hanoi. Not much different, both good, good quality tours, different bikes throughout the years. And the guy I was working for out of Hoi An was sort of uh, moving out of Vietnam. He's gone to uh, Portugal. He was planning to leave and roughly at that time I got contacted by uh, a guy called Jeff who had sort of, I didn't really know him but I knew of him and he knew of me and he's at a position where he's, he's a mad biker, super obsessed with motorbikes all his life, used to race them and he's been in Vietnam for some years, maybe four or five years and he's really disappointed with the quality of motorbike tours out there and at the same time his dream is to have some sort of business related to motorbikes and he said he wants to start a motorbike tour company and he came to me and said look I I want you to come and be part of this and help me to set up a a company and we're going to make it as good as it could possibly be rather than doing things on the cheap and doing things slapdash and it's like you know as a biker, what do you want from a motorbike tour? What's the very best we can offer? You know, there's all these companies out there using all different bikes, some of which are good, some are not, some are legal, some are not. What You know, what's the best bike we can use for Vietnam? What's the best routes we can take people on? What's the best way of treating people, the best food we can give them? And really, you know, in the same way that you can stay in a one-star hotel, a two-star hotel, or a five-star hotel, we wanted to be the five-star version of Vietnam motorbike tours. And that's really where we started and trying to make everything the top level. Of course, that narrows down our number of customers that maybe we're looking at, but um, we'd rather do the best job we can for those people that want that standard. Uh, so that's really what it's about. Been running for you know a couple of years and then obviously COVID happened and it's all gone on hold for a bit. Yeah, just doing things as well as possible is is the thing, and getting people to really have an adventure, but with uh, nice things like you know a decent hotel <laughs> at the right time of day and uh, you know decent food and stuff like that. Fantastic! You have checked all my boxes, Hawk, and I guarantee <laughs> our paths are going to cross sometime, hopefully soon. I'm obviously, you know, I've only been to Cambodia once, but uh, it's right there. And Bangkok, right uh, and, uh, Thailand, I've been <laughs> to many welcome. times and always happy to ride in both countries. Cool. Well, people can go to onyabikeadventures.com to learn more about Hawk Moon and his team and what they do. We also have links to your site on the show notes. Thanks so much for sharing and informing us about motorbiking in Vietnam, Hawk Moon. I, I would say if people want to have a look at my YouTube channel, uh, it's not good quality, but uh, I think people can have a laugh at me and maybe see some of the types of roads that we have here. I'm new to making YouTube videos, so I know that some of them are pretty hard work to watch, but in terms of the scenery and the type of roads, it gives people a good idea of what they can expect. Cool. Well, we'll share a link to that on our show notes at TalkTravelAsia.com. So thanks Hawk, I'm sure that uh, maybe Scott and I will join you for a ride together sometime, but I'm certainly considering doing it sooner now that it's a (laughs) possibility, and and it is right there. So Vietnam is open, although our company are not actively, we're not sure exactly how soon to really, you know, start advertising and stuff. We're not, we're in discussions at the moment about how quickly we should really go for it again. Cool. Thanks, Hawk. 
All right. Well, our friend Maeve did a great job today, I think, by recommending Hawk Moon to be our guest to talk about motorbiking in Vietnam, because I think he uh, he really does know the roads in the country. Yeah, absolutely. A shout out to Maeve. Thanks, Maeve. We really appreciate that. And Hawk Moon was full of great stuff. I kind of find these episodes a bit painful because I love motorbiking myself. And the more we talk to people about riding and I look at the map as we're doing it, I just realize. I don't want to work. I want to have just a pocket full of cash and just go ride somewhere like Vietnam for a month. So while I enjoy learning about it, it is a little painful because I know it's not going to happen real soon. But Vietnam really does have it all from flat stuff in the south and just tons of mountainous, windy roads. Yeah. You know, when he was talking about Song Ta Mountain, which was just outside Hoi An and Da Nang, I really immediately thought like, oh, my God, I could just fly there for the mm-hmm. holiday in two weeks. And, and and he said it's right there. He's done it like a hundred times and that it's amazing. Like it would be such an easy thing to do. So I don't know that it's going to happen in the next couple of weeks necessarily, but like I am convinced and I will bring my own helmet. Yeah. It looks like there's some great rides outside of Da Nang, just looking at the maps through some really windy stuff. So that'd be great. I'm a guy that generally puts together my own trips, but having run a tour company for 13 years, what he's saying I think when you're motorbiking, like there's no reason not to go with people who know how to do it, right? A, you don't want to be out in remote territory in a strange land and your motorbike doesn't work or you don't know how to order food or you don't need to get know how to get help or you don't know how long to get to the next hotel. Like motorbiking something that that thing's got to work. You've got to roll into your hotel long before it gets dark. You got to have great food along the way. So I think with that kind of trip, Doing it with someone that knows how to pull off all those things and dial it in, why would you want to waste any of your time? Yeah, I think unless you have like time to waste, let's sure. say, yeah. like you want to go for three months, like three month trip, maybe six months, even like you're like, from what I understand, like they do have Royal Enfields, like there are some nice bikes here and there, like you could probably find some expat selling one or like some shop that like you could get a reasonably good one. And and then I think if you were going to do something like that, you'd want to really prepare and learn about how to repair some of the, the engine parts on, on certain bikes and bring some tools with you and do it right, you know, which I think is definitely more doable in Vietnam than a lot of countries in, in Asia, probably. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you have, you know, three, four weeks, then... Okay, kind of doing it on your own, maybe get out with someone for the first couple of days. But like you said, you want to carry like spare brake levers, clutches, the the most common uh, wrenches, things like that. But he had a really great point, like your own helmet. Anytime I've put on a helmet on loan, like A, has what kind of condition it is in, but is full of sweat. Like a helmet, that's something you want to bring your own helmet. And the other thing, again, unless you have a ton of time, Bring everything you're going to need. You don't want to waste a full day or whatever running around a big city trying to find the thing you need and you're a big Westerner and it doesn't fit. Like, Maximize your time. Bring the essential equipment you need. I think that's something you definitely got to do. Totally. I agree with that. And the helmet's a tricky one, though, just because like it is quite a large item, you know. Other things, yeah. I mean, like a big poncho even. Like you can buy like these great giant rain ponchos here that are amazing for like five bucks. But like, do you really have time to like go to make sure some local market's going to have it you get stuck in a traffic jam trying to get across town to find the thing and then whatever yeah like you're better off just bringing what you need that's important and a poncho is not going to cut it on a real motorbike ride with a big thing flapping around like you need kind of pants and jacket but what i liked about him is he he was enthusiastic but he was always to me had the eye on like quality quality ride 
keeping it safe, having a good time. Like he's clearly a guy that knows how to plan these things. And, you know, I'm real comfortable heading off on any road in Thailand, but I look at Vietnam here and would I want to necessarily go too far without knowing where the hotel was or to me, it's really the quality of the, no, bike, the right? language thing would yeah. be tricky and stuff like yeah, that too. You you're know? In remote but you know, territory. one thing that was cool is like, yeah, he's talking about remote territory. They like, he's like, Oh, you could visit these hill tribe communities on sealed roads. You know, mm. again, like I just assumed that there was going to be some good dirt biking here and there, you know, like there is here in Cambodia, but like they're sealing the roads really quickly here into remote areas of Cambodia as well. So yeah, I imagine Vietnam's just got some really pretty nice sealed roads in remote areas, you know, but again, you want to have like someone who knows where you're going so you don't get lost and you can make it to the hotel for a beer and sunset too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And he brought something up that we've talked about on quite a number of episodes and that is the size of Vietnam. Like it is something like more than 3000 kilometers long, right? And you have the flat lowlands of the Mekong Delta that has a completely different weather system than, you know, Da Nang, Hue, Hue An area in the Midlands, let alone Hanoi, and then the far north, uh, Hasiang, where we talked about where there's 3,000 meter peaks and stuff. So you really got to look at the weather very, very carefully before you head to any one of these areas. Yeah, but on the flip side, you know, it's kind of like Thailand with its two coasts that like, you know, maybe whenever you want to go, you just pick the area of Vietnam that has the good weather at that time because you have that option. Absolutely. So look, he got me super jazzed as happens with so many of these episodes. Uh, we're going to have to win the lottery, Trevor. I guess we got to start that by buying tickets and get ourselves to Vietnam to do a great ride there. It's still high on my list to do that ride that Nick Ray talked about from Luang Prabang heading yeah. east to the caves uh, where the communists used to live. So you and I, once borders just get a little more fluid, we're going to have to go off and do it. But yeah, it was a good conversation. Really great to meet uh, Hawk Moon. Yeah, I'm glad that we had him on. That was a really good talk. Again, people can go visit our website, talktravelasia.com, and check out our show notes. Um, I'm excited to see Hawk's photos and uh, have a look at a Google map myself, but we'll share links uh, to his YouTube channel, which I bet is pretty awesome as well. And uh, yeah, lots of good stuff there. Maybe links to other motorbiking shows because uh, we've, we've done motorcycling in Bhutan, maybe, or we've done some remote area motorcycle yep. adventures in the past. Indeed. Like the show, give us a good rating, become a patron. Thanks very much. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Camp